just a minute ago, the sun was coming through and I had this laser-like bright line of light across my face, but it's gone now. I don't know if it'll come back. <laughs> Tomorrow. Edward, either slightly be earlier or late, probably later. Well, no, yeah, it'll probably be a little bit later. The sun will come back, right? If that's what you're worried about. <laughs> it's, it's out. It's just weird. It was like, for a moment, it, it was just a line. Boy, guys, I'm really not prepared today. I didn't even print my notes. Oh, my. Kill a tree for podcasting? Oh, I don't think a tree, there's a tree's worth of paper that I'm using for this note. A very small baby tree. That's what they use just for single sheets. I'm offsetting it because podcasting helps the environment. Mm-hmm. There's nothing negative environmentally about podcasting. It's all positive. It's all, all a plus. All plus. Hold on. Oh, oh Jesus. <laughs> I'm not even sure that's Chris. <laughs> Rick was making a comment about my glasses, I think. I don't know if you guys know this, but Big Eyeglass owns about 98% <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. of all the oh, eyeglasses. I so I bought these at a place that only sells from the, the 2%. Right. Or the 1%. Maybe these are 1% glasses. <laughs> Was it a tent in a parking lot? One of those things? Like those books, books, those temporary bookstores? I never understood those. Temporary bookstore? Like a, a strip mall. There'd just be a book shop, a sale for like a few weeks. There were never any books you wanted to buy. That was a long time ago. <laughs> books, you know, I don't know. Books. Back in the book era. Like, oh, there's, here comes the laser. Do you see it? Oh, yeah. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> the sun, f- it's come back for you, Rick. That's weird, because usually the sun only goes in one direction. <laughs> it's it reverse direction. It's just setting, and then it hits this kind of like stained glass or beveled glass. Like the glass in Psycho. The one thing I learned from watching the shot-for-shot remake of Psycho, that brilliant shot where Norman Bates is coming, runs up the hill and comes into the house, and he, he opens the door, which has prismed glass in the door mm, wow and when he when he opens it and he walks through it there's multiple versions of him in the prismed glass thus creating like a i don't know if you ever saw the cover of the book sybil i've never read the book sybil but all of my relatives did and it mm-hmm. had like prismed pictures of sybil because it was a multi someone mm-hmm. with a multiple personality disorder and so what you mean by all your relatives you mean all the people that live inside you chris yeah, you want to meet one of them right now? <laughs> Hello, Governor. I wish God, I just had like. <laughs> I wish I had a host of voices I could have just whipped out like Robin Williams. You'll you'll be I happy don't. to know, Chris, that uh, because of your influence, your nefarious influence, I watched a six-hour John Wayne Gacy documentary last <laughs> week. <laughs> I know. I I was hoping we'd get into that because right. I watched a similar documentary and I thought we could compare notes. <laughs> All right. Are, is are you not going to go over that in your things I've watched this week? Segment? Oh, I will. I I can. I figured we'd save it for that. Yeah, we can. There's a teaser for all <laughs> you just tuning in right now. You should keep it tuned in. Don't touch that dial. Don't touch that dial. Welcome to Lost and Found and Rewound. A podcast I edit so aggressively that at its best, it sounds like the dialogue from Gilmore Girls, and at its worst, it sounds like glitchy robots on cocaine. I'm Chris Lost. I'm Found Jim. And I'm Rick Re 
wound. That's for the editor. I'll tell you. And, and all of you who heard Rick just blast through his name almost awkwardly, <laughs> I apologize. I don't know what's. I don't know what kind of cocaine he's on. Uh, you're, you're the power that you hold as an editor. I don't like it. <laughs> I've never I've never done anybody wrong with my editing, I don't think. <laughs> I cut mostly my stuff and then I, you know, make you guys sound better by cutting all the large pauses <laughs> as you're <laughs> trying to remember what Shirley MacLaine movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope everyone's having a great Pride month. Uh, I'm proud of the fact that we don't need to add a rainbow to our logo. I know. I noticed that. I was like, wow. <laughs> Thank you for that foresight, Rick. Yeah. So many people in my family, my close friends, my coworkers, people who I love dearly that identify as members of the LGBTQ community. It's great that we get this month to celebrate that community and our place in that community. I think I speak for us all when I say we are proud to be proud. This podcast is timeless, so all months are <laughs> pride months. That's right. <laughs> How are you guys? <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I'm okay. <laughs> I should be bad, right? Yeah, yeah, are you bad? I couldn't be better. Really? Got new glasses, a new haircut? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's a new Chris. Mm -hmm. Chris not so lost. No, wait, are you Chris found? Wait, no, you're Chris. I'm Chris lost. Jim has found Jim, and you are Rick Rewound. Got it. I did have an observation. We are the least incognito incognito podcast there is i know this because the count of interactions on our personal social media <laughs> accounts greatly outweighs the number of interactions we get on our podcast pages so no one goes to the lost and found and rewound pages to say anything but i have noticed a lot of comments on our personal pages about the podcast somebody had sent rick um the uh, fresh air oh right yeah. on on the crown mm-hmm I'm assuming you listened to that and then watched The Crown. Right? <laughs> I haven't yet. I haven't. I, I did watch the episode you recommended. Oh, what did you, what did you think of it? Oh, I loved it. I loved. I, I love that era of England where um, Margaret Thatcher began dismantling any semblance of human decency in government, along with Ronald Reagan. So I, I love seeing a direct sort of reference to that era, and then the music. So you love that. She dismantled decency in government? I'm not tracking that statement. <laughs> I just like the fact that retroactively, we are now acknowledging everything that I saw and most everyone else who, you know, wasn't blinded by Thatcherism and Reaganism of how destructive and awful that era was, which I feel like we're just ending. That era is just ending. And that was the beginning. Yeah, it's completely over now, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, but I, f I feel hopeful that we're going to enter in a new new era. By a new era, you mean the final era of our lives? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe for us. I don't know. Yeah. But, but one that, that isn't uh, Reagan or Thatcher-centric. I hope we learn something from all the selfishness. Oh, I so. hope so. Yes, we shall see. Because people usually do. Selfish people usually learn. I learned. I used to be a very selfish, uh, misanthropic, egotistical, narcissistic asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and I've gotten bearable. You guys hang out with me now, so. Yeah, virtually. I improved. 
<laughs> We're in the last quarter of our lives and the last quarter of this podcast. These are the last three films in the 12 film set. And it seems like just yesterday that we started doing it, you know. I was going to say, it seems like years. <laughs> I had a hot seat question for us, speaking of the latter parts of our lives. In the film that you know we'll talk about, the film we're going to announce, the lead character tells another character that if they want to speak to their dead family, they can just talk to any tombstone because everybody all ends up in the same place. So I wanted to ask you guys, when we all die, are we going to end up in the same place? Jim, what do you think? Yes, absolutely. If that place is the ground. <laughs> <laughs> well, not everybody ends up in the ground, Rick. You're talking about people who die in an airplane? Like when you're on a flight from like New York to LA and then there's a, a strange kind of hubbub going on in first class and you don't realize what's happened until a sort of stretcher arrives at the, the gate and you realize that someone's passed away. Is that what you mean? Uh, yeah, but those people end up in the ground. Some of them do. But I mean, what, some yeah. people are cast to the wind, right? You could be cremated and cast to the wind. I guess you end up in the ground that way too. Some people's ashes go in, go into space. You can do that. There, you can launch your ashes into space. That's a small amount. You can't get your full ashed body into space. I don't think, but you can. There, are, I think there are ways to get small amounts. Mm -hmm. Is there not enough space in space for everybody's yeah, ashes? Space is at a premium. Yeah, it's the not yeah. in space, but just the ship to get. Getting to it, yeah. yeah. The payload. Oh, they don't just launch it in like a cannon? <laughs> shoot so. it in space? No, not, not in a space cannon. A la Journey to the Moon. <laughs> That's an old thing, old idea. Yeah, they're like, I don't know if they're gravity guns, rail guns, or like yeah. just shooting things on some kind of mag. Yeah, if you shoot something out of a gun fast enough, it'll go into orbit. But you obviously couldn't do it with people. That idea's been around a long time. Rockets start up really slow, you know. You just build up momentum, but this gun, rail gun idea, it just like goes, whoo! It's like the super fast slingshot effect or something. And you just fling things out. If you could do it fast enough, it would go out. It'd just be like launching it into orbit. So you wouldn't shoot straight up, though. You'd have to shoot at an angle. So it'd kind of get yeah. in the lane. It's I think like that's the idea. Yeah, like so you could build a long track or something that kind of goes up. And, but it's all crazy theoretical stuff, which, yeah, would never work with people because you'd be squished. And, you know, it'd be crazy acceleration. But I think it was an early idea before rockets had these all these ideas. I watched a video on uh, fighter pilots training in at for 9Gs and it's just them <laughs> straining like you have to constantly yeah. kind of like do a like kind of squeeze to just keep yourself from blacking out. And so yeah. they it just looks like they kind of look like weightlifters. They just kind of pulsate. They they make this kind of like squeezy, squatty kind of like straining on the toilet like gesture and they just keep yeah doing it to keep their brains from freezing up and blacking out blood going to your feet yeah they use those yeah. yeah they have those wait so there's no device there's not like in moonraker there's not like a thing that spins you around like a particle accelerator that you get in and somebody sets on too fast and you have to use your gun watch to blow open the control <laughs> panel of it <laughs> sure that's happened yeah but moonraker is real could be somebody's vision of 
of the future. Jeff Bezos is probably, or Elon Musk, who's, who's, yeah, who's, oh, yeah. whose idea of space is closer to Moonraker? Probably <laughs> Elon Musk is more Moonraker. <laughs> Jeff Bezos is more um, Space 1999, maybe. Or what about the uh, the Andy Griffith show where they went up in space just to collect garbage and bring it back down? Well, that was the, oh, you mean not the Andy Griffith show, like an episode, a very special episode of the Andy Griffith show. You're talking about, what was it called? Garbage one? What was it called? Um, yeah. I actually did a little yeah. internet research on that show a, a while ago. Salvage one. That's what it was called. Mm-hmm. That was great. Better than, not, well, no, I would say, I would argue that Far Out Space Nuts kind of tackled the same topic Gilligan Gilligan, right yeah yeah I combined those two I was like wait wasn't Gilligan in salvage okay so yeah they're two different I said lunch not launch (laughs) classic I can't believe that I off the top of my head pulled out self well I pulled out that Andy Griff the space show and you guys topped it with a show I a space salvage show that I hadn't seen not me Rick to to be fair they they were janitors they were yeah, NASA janitors, and they were cleaning the rocket, and then Bob Denver, acts like uh, what's his name? I can't remember the other character actor who was in Far Out Space Nuts. He he says it's time for lunch, and then Bob Denver goes, "There's a butt." Oh, and he says lunch, and then he pushes the big red button that says launch, and then they wind up launching the rocket into space and have adventures. I, that's a stretch. <laughs> Why would it be that easy to? make that mistake i believe a sid and marty croft production (laughs) oh well then i believe it because there was some kind of alien like puppet or you know person in a costume i believe but i could be wrong it's kind of in between the super serious land of the lost and then the super fantasy of hr puffin stuff (laughs) or or perhaps lidsville I haven't seen Lidsville. I've seen the rest of those. Land of the Lost was like my favorite show as a kid. I was scarred permanently by Lidsville. Lidsville was a little too far into the sort of Alice in Wonderland direction. Charles Nelson Riley is the bad guy in Lidsville. He said, mm. yeah, so the, the <laughs> kid falls into a magician's hat and, and winds up in a H.R. Puffin stuff-like world, except it's people who are giant hats instead of strange sea monsters and stuff like that. Or, well, no, that's Sigmund and the Sea Monster. I'm getting them all confused, but Lidsville, definitely check it out. I, one last administrative item, then we could probably go into uh, what we watched. Is that what we've been doing, Chris? We've been going through the administrative items, huh? Yeah, that's what we've been doing. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's get into the meat of the episode. Okay. Anytime where we're like pretending we're friends, I'm going <laughs> through administrative items. <laughs> Rick, what did you watch since the last time we talked. I watched a six-part John Wayne Gacy documentary in honor of you, Chris. Well, I appreciate that. Did you, did you, were you thinking, I'm going to do this for Chris? <laughs> Chris seems to like serial killers. There must be something about them. <laughs> I'll check I'm going out. to give it a try. I'm going to check this out. And what were your thoughts? You loved it. I did love it, and, and that sounds demented, but it was nostalgic. So first off, Jay Levine was kind of the center point, or <laughs> the center piece interview subject for a lot of this as, as the reporter reporting this. And so you'd see current Jay Levine, who's a reporter on Channel 7, local Channel 7 News. And he was there the first day that the coroner's office, you know, the first night that they went to uh, Gacy's house. And uh, so you get to see 1978 
Jay Levine talking to people and talking about it. And then you get to see present day Jay Levine and then all sorts of other, I'm trying to remember his name, Russ, somebody was another Chicago reporter. You just, Russ Ewing. I was trying to, cause I read that book. He wrote uh, yeah, a yeah, book yeah, with, it was Tim Cahill. I just looked it up again. Yeah. Cause I read a bunch of Tim Cahill books, wrote stuff like outside, like, you know, adventure books. I've never been into true crime and yeah, that's the one true crime book I've ever read was, yeah, with Russ Ewing. The I remember standing in line at, at uh, Potbelly Sandwiches behind Russ Ewing many wow. years late, like probably about <laughs> ooh, early 2000s, maybe, something like that, because yeah. I think it was at, it's right around the corner from uh, ABC uh, Studios downtown in Chicago. But What did he get? <laughs> yeah. I do not remember. Oh. It was, I think it was probably something like, you know, it wasn't healthy. It was like what I would, would have got, what probably what I got it was like Italian, something like, it was like that, you know, it was like, he got what I got. But anyway, yeah, that's, I read that book. It was terrifying because yeah. it was my, ch- you know, in my, our childhood, it was like a scary thing. And reading the book is really scary because it goes into all the detail and, and how close, like the, le- when he finally got caught the last he dumped one of their bodies over the bridge yeah. into the Des River and it's just yeah. south of here. And when I, you know, I was like, all this stuff is happening right around you. <laughs> Apparently he did a jailhouse interview right before he was executed with the FBI agent who came up with the term serial killer. And, you know, is that, I think he's the... Manhunter? Uh, what is it? Yeah, in Manhunter. Yeah, he's kind of that, the character's kind of based on him. And he did an interview with Casey, and Casey's got this huge thousand-page book with all the people who were killed, you know, and he's going through and talking about how, well, okay, this one, yeah, this is, I, I accidentally killed this person and buried them, but I don't know how these other 30 people got into my basement. And, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's kind of a strange interview, and, and the way he talks about it where it's kind of like he's talking about committing some crimes, but then also trying to prove that he didn't. It's very strange stuff. Hmm. But yeah, it's nostalgia. It's like, it's an important part of my childhood, I realized. It's like really a, a moment when everything, your local news is just talking about this every day, and it's, it's young men, and you're like, well, I would have been like 13 or 14, but still, it was, you know, and he seemed to go after like more like 17, 18, 19, 20 Right. But it was that idea where someone was just molesting and killing guys. Was that the first serial killer you knew of, John Wayne Casey? I think it was for me. Yeah, I think so. And yeah, because it being so local, it was just constantly in the news even more than it was on a national level, I think. So you'd recommend this documentary? I should watch it, you think? I think so. I mean, for you, uh, it might be a lot of review. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know much about Gacy, to be honest. I know more about Dahmer and uh, Bundy. It's really thorough. I mean, it starts from his time in Iowa and the stuff that happened there, and he was in jail, and there's footage of him. So he was a model prisoner in Iowa, and he was running the kitchen in this prison in Iowa, and they did a whole story on him and what they were cooking for Christmas at this prison. And so you see him in, like, 69, 70 you know, on film, being interviewed, talking about stuff. It's fascinating. That's what's interesting about Jay Levine is he's being a Chicago reporter and, you know, he seems a little bit like a showboat, but he's, he's also basically saying, you know, how come he didn't get caught, like, sooner? Like, how did he get away with this and, and the whole political thing? So you've got someone who's, you know, understands the Chicago political machine, had reported on that, and then sees a guy who was, you know, sort of deeply entrenched in the local level of Chicago politics or 
Cook County politics getting away with, you know, murdering 33 people. It's he's he's pretty adamant that there are some deeply flawed things going on and potential cover-ups. I think it's privilege. I mean, that's how Dahmer got away with so much. There was one boy that police officers took back to Dahmer's apartment and gave him back. The cops gave the boy back to Dahmer, and that boy was then killed. And it was just like, this is a lover's quarrel. We've been partying. And the boy was, uh, I think he was black, and Dahmer's a white guy, and the cops were white, and they're just like, okay, off you go. That's the most disturbing part is there was a, a gay man who basically got into Gacy's car, got the crap beaten out of him, got himself out of the house, and then um, went to the police, and the police were like, meh, you know, gay guys. Eh. The guy looked like he had, his face had been pulverized, basically. And then he spent a month with his boyfriend hanging out in a car in, in the same place that he had gotten picked up right, by Gacy, and found him, and got the plate, and went to the police, and pressed charges, you know, and got, got them to press charges, and everything like that, and then, again, nothing happened, the police weren't going to deal with it, it wasn't even serious to them, it was just like, oh, this is a lover's quarrel, and the guy looked like he had been pulverized, it was amazing, hmm. but I guess the same thing would have happened if it, it was a woman, right, had been beaten horribly in 1978 yeah. and, and gone and found a man who had done that. Or it's like, yeah, like drug addicts and stuff. You always hear about all the things that people who've died from, like, uh, what's his name? Johnny Thunders. Yeah, Johnny Thunders. Mm-hmm. He died, like, in whatever. It was early, like, rec- you know, in the ni- early, <laughs> recently, in the ni- early, like, 1991 or something, but yeah. from, like, heroin overdose or something, but it was, like... It sounded like there was suspicion that he was basically killed or, you know, it was like strychnine or something like he was bumped off by his dealer or somebody. He got bad stuff and was, you know, just poisoned. It was never looked into because he's just this junkie. And right, right. it kind of came out because he's sort of famous, but he was probably murdered. And <laughs> it's like... So he would There's, have died anyways, right? This is probably their thinking is like, well, what's the difference? Was he yeah. murdered or he would or, have died next week anyways, right? So they're we're just all like, going to die anyway. <laughs> I don't know if that's a real logical way to think. I mean, I was just talking about that at the beginning of the episode. And we all go to the same place, which according to Rick is the ground. I was trying to say maybe there's a Lake Alito's pizza in the sky we could all go to or something more spiritual. But Rick insists that it's the ground. Could be an underground Lido's, you know, kind of like a basement... Restaurant. I like that. I like that. Like a bill, like the original Billy Goat. <laughs> Basement <laughs> restaurants, though, are tough because of the sewer issues and everything like that. It's not not the healthiest place. And then I don't like the idea of being in the ground for eternity in a pizzeria. That sounds a little little bit like I've I'm being punished for my life for your veganism. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's totally nefarious. Too, it's just like a workload, like Quincy. You know, all that and all these like medical investigators, like first Quincy, but now there's tons of these shows and it's, it's all kind of a myth. I mean, all this technology exists, but most of, they're not doing that for most cases, unless it's yeah. something really strange happens and there's, I don't know what, but mostly it's like the most obvious cause. Sometimes there are these cases that are things, other things happen and, but there's just no way that they can re- investigate all this stuff. And there isn't a Quincy in every town. <laughs> doing that for every case. So the medical examiner in Chicago, which I had forgotten about, it saw him and how he was an influence along with Noguchi in L.A., you know, on the Quincy character. Oh, yeah. 
this sort of inequality leads into what I watched recently that I wanted to mention, which was the documentary Lorena. Rick, you talk often about how new documentary filmmakers are sort of uh, manipulating the narrative. And we've seen a lot in the 90s and in the 2000s of documentary filmmakers basically taking their personal opinion and sort of driving the narrative using their personal opinion. Lorena, I thought, was the next evolution of that, where it was a documentary filmmaker who was manipulating you as the viewer, but was doing it to make the point of the documentary in what I thought was a very objective way. It's, a, I think, a four-episode documentary. The first episode makes it look like Lorena Bobbitt, you know, was crazy, attacked her husband, and was just being completely irrational and deserved to go to jail. Like it, And the way you could tell, as you watch it in sequence, he omitted a lot of facts from the first episode to lead you to that point. And I think the point of the documentary was we all were led in that direction. And the facts that he was presenting to lead you there were was the way that the press was covering it, was the stories, was all the things that they could allow in court not the things that they couldn't allow in court. I actually closed down that episode. My brother-in-law was like, you got to watch the whole thing. And I kind of finished that episode and was like, I don't know, this this doesn't feel very good for her. Then you watch the second episode and they start to open the can of worms. Then you watch the third episode and it's clear that this woman was severely abused by this man. He deserved to go to jail. She did not. She deserved to get off, which she does. Then the fourth episode is what they did after that whole thing was over. And he went on to lie, cheat, steal, beat women. He almost killed a woman. The woman had to pretend she was dead to get him to stop beating her and just be a total fucking asshole. And then when they interview him, he is just lying to you, the whole documentary. And he was lying to you in episode one and you were believing him. At the fourth one, you're like, okay, he's a total liar, but he's great at lying, which is the only thing he was good at. Uh, it was, I thought it was a masterful documentary. And I also do feel like it was somewhat objectively presented. I think people with differing points of view will probably interpret the whole thing differently, but I did appreciate the way that the narrative was manipulated to just give you each point of view and make you take each point of view as the facts were presented. It was pretty pretty fascinating. Have either of you seen it or heard of it at all? I haven't, but it, no. yeah, that sounds... Initially, it would sound seem like something I would not want to watch, but the way you described it makes me want to watch it because I yeah I, I and I'm I am starting to realize the long form documentary it's good because <laughs> exactly what you're talking about especially if it's some sort of media event which that was right beside it being a a crime or a criminal investigation it was a media event it's really difficult to in one hour or two hours to document that kind of meta thing that happened with the media and then actually talk about the reality and then start, yeah, commenting on, yeah, that documentary process, which kind of has, you know, that's kind of what the media was supposed to be and that's what we thought 24-hour news was or, you know, that new era of news that we kind of moved into and then realizing, oh, no, that was just, that was when news was starting to shift into entertainment. Kansas City. Food-wise, a city famous for its barbecue. But that's 
about to change. My name is W. Dave Keith, host of the podcast Taco the Town, and I believe that Kansas City is one of the most underrated, underappreciated, up-and-coming taco towns in the USA. On Taco the Town, we will shine a light on all the amazing tacos Kansas City has to offer. Kansas City is a great taco town filled with a variety of untapped taco stylings and flavors, and on the Taco the Town podcast, we won't stop until we've tasted every taco in the town. No taco table will go unturned. Each episode, we review a new taco joint with a special guest we share taco memories discuss taco topics and put tacos to the test we check the latest stories in taco news and no taco is off the table on taco the town if you love tacos like i do you're gonna love taco the town available on itunes stitcher podbean and google play that's taco the town Jim, what did you watch? Oh, there's something I was watching. I've been meaning to bring up a few months ago. I've never, I don't know why. I just never got it. It was, uh, especially over the, the winter and like lockdown was great to watch. was uh, Alexi Sales' lockdown bike ride thing he'd do on YouTube. It's really funny. Well, it's not that funny. It's funny, but it's just completely, it was totally great in the middle of winter. He, he just was doing, he's still doing them, but only did a few, but he just has cameras on his bike and was just riding around London, basically, and just talking. Is it desolate? Does he see people? Oh, yeah, there's people around. So it was like, it, it's, you know, it's when, it's more recent. Well, it was, I think the first one, he started around maybe November or something. I don't know. So, you know, I, I wasn't following exactly, but there's, you know, all there's restrictions, like when they were allowed to go out, and basically, but it was, you know, up and down, he'd just go out and ride around. That was just fun because you can ride your bike in London in the middle of winter. And you can kind of do that around here too, but not this past, well, that whatever, February, you know, and it was like there was four feet of snow on the ground and it was fun to watch. On one of the episodes, Rick would appreciate, he, he starts talking about like the situationists. Rick, Rick mm. was into the situationists and he mentions that and and that's kind of actually he talks about it later on, like wandering, like in one of the more recent episodes, he talks about it, like a bike version of, you know, it's like the situationist thing of just wandering around cities. And so he's kind of, that was the idea of the podcast too, or the video channel. It's a YouTube channel, but is just kind of wandering around. He's not getting lost though, but he's just, you know, <laughs> kind of wandering on a bike. What are the situationists? was kind of a French political art movement. And and a lot of their ideas kind of worked its way into punk rock. There's a great yeah. book by Grail Marcus called Lipstick Traces, where he kind of connects the Situationist movement in France to the events of 1968 in Paris, and then how those influenced like um, Malcolm McLaren and uh, Jamie Oliver, right? Some of it was about, yeah, just getting out of the everyday life. And so some of the things they would do, yeah, is, uh, like getting lost was part of the journey or using a map of Paris in London, right? So you try to get to the Eiffel Tower and you'd follow the map of Paris, but you'd be in London. So when it said, take a right on this street to get to the Eiffel Tower, you'd take a right on this street in London and you'd wind up, you know, somewhere where you'd never, would never go in London, right? So that's the, the physical version of watching the wizard of oz to the dark side of the moon <laughs> yeah exactly yeah 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 so like yeah, if you got to the eiffel tower and it was like eiffel tower pizza 
you'd be like, holy <laughs> shit, it's a matrix. We're in the matrix. Yeah, and it's more just like, oh, holy crap, I'm, you know, in this, I didn't know this this existed. And actually, there's there's a lot of elements of that. And yeah, I think maybe th- is that why I brought it up was because of they might be giants is a lot of what's going on and they might be giants is similar to their ideas where it's just you're kind of projecting or reality is a, a projection and then you're overlaying mm-hmm. a different reality on top of it or kind of getting out of your normal behaviors, your everyday life to see the beauty and uniqueness in everyday life. Alexi Sale was saying, when he brought it up, the uh, situationist stuff, he said he was in Paris in 1968, and mm. he, he was far too young. His parents let him go there. <laughs> he was like, I don't know how old he was, but he was in the middle of the student riots and stuff. He was, yeah, just making parallels to it, but it's very uh, controlled, or he, he knows where he's going. <laughs> right. but, yeah, he's well, a the, man in his 60s, right, driving around, riding around London on a bike, and he's not going <laughs> to... Yeah, and the, the most recent one was he, he goes outside of London and he goes to like uh, Milton Keynes, which is like a pre-planned com- city, like a 1960s. I didn't, I'd always, I'd heard of Milton Keynes, but I didn't really know, but it was, it was like a 1960s development. It was just built out of scratch. He had a sort of fascination with it and I think bought a house there early on. Well, in the 80s, late 80s or something, or lived there briefly. And so in this this podcast, he went back and it's not, you know, it's not uh, very enjoyable or, well, he, he, it's not like he didn't stay there very long anyways. It wasn't, it's like this kind of weird, it's not like a utopian thing, but it's kind of one of these pre-planned communities, you know, that of yeah, course brutalist fail. architecture but, and yeah yeah and, but like uh brasilia um, is a big one yeah. but you know places yeah. like that but um but this this it's not like he he enjoyed it when he lived there but he liked the aesthetic of it or something but anyways he he came back yeah this is just the past month or something he recorded a, a video of him riding around and it, it's like the it's like the worst for worst episode almost it's like <laughs> it's not depressing but it's just like it's obviously it's like it's not going the way he expected it or it's just, it's not the same as it was in the eighties. And he's like kind of yeah. not depressed, but it's just like, uh, this isn't, it, it's it, hard to understand why he loved it. So yeah. Much, maybe, or I can't of, see what he saw in it. Yeah. But it, oh, it's also, it's just, but it's still a good episode. It's funny, but they're not comedy podcasts. They're not, you know, he's just kind of rambling. It's just this <laughs> probably almost 70 year old guy on a bike kind of reminiscing, Especially in London, he's like always talking about, oh, this has happened here and this and stuff. And it's a unique YouTube channel. I think it's called Alexei Sales Lockdown Bike Ride or something like that. But uh, Alexei Sale, he's got a, yeah, he, he, he does podcasts too. I think they're on, like just audio podcasts, they're on the same YouTube channel. Actually, I haven't listened to any of those. <laughs> I just watched the videos, the, the bike rides. It's great. Well, we're coming up on our hour. Should I talk about our movie that we're going to watch? Yeah, it's up to you, boss man. <laughs> I like how it's really gotten to where I'm the boss of these <laughs> podcasts. I mean, I'm just trying to get Rick to bed at a decent hour. That's 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 my motivation. He needs his sleep. Have I not complained that I I yeah I'm I, I'm like I'm like an old I'm like a 90 year old man already. It's like I sleep for like four hours. <laughs> I woke up every two hours thinking about a, um, a manhole cover last night. <laughs> That's how awful my sleep has become. Just kept waking wow. up thinking about a manhole cover. Like a specific one or just any? A specific one because we, um, we put a patio in the backyard and we had to patio over a sewage pump. 
and we couldn't mm-hmm. figure out what to do with the sewage pump because you keep, you have to have access to it because if the thing breaks, I mean, that's no good. <laughs> I came up with the brilliant idea of saying, we should buy a manhole cover, put the manhole cover over it so you get, and you could make it decorative. So we got one with a logo on it and everything is really cool. So, you know, that's, it arrived yesterday and I just kept waking up every two hours thinking about that manhole cover. Can't wait to see it in the patio. <laughs> yeah, this totally reminds me of the show I watched about a guy who had lots of issues with the sewer lines and issues with his basement, <laughs> strange odors. His wife, you know, was like, you got to do something about that basement. Was it a smell, a distinct smell in the basement? A distinct smell when the heat would come on. Always there were problems. Lots of, lots of construction work digging in the backyard and the driveway and in the basement or in the crawl space. Pouring cement like at three in the morning. Yeah, I'll bet you he, he'd wake up quite a bit, think about manhole covers and septic tanks and all that stuff. And I got it from, just a quick plug here, from manholecoversdirect.com. <laughs> that is exactly where I got it from. You had to be very careful on the internet. I don't know, just when you're doing a search for that <laughs> stuff. So the movie we're going to review is the 1980 John Cassavetes film, Gloria. There's an interesting hiccup with my selection of this film, which we will go into on the episode. So listen to us in a week for Gloria. Lost and Found and Rewound is fully funded by Lost and Found and Rewound Foundation Funds. Lost and Found and Rewound does not use crowdfunding because our listeners have better things to do with their funding. There's no need to post reviews of Lost and Found and Rewound because our listeners have more valuable things to do with their time. In all sincerity, thank you for listening to the show. We truly appreciate it. Lotus Pod.